0: Good morning, good morning. Everybody doing good? Oh, we got a lot of people on Labor Day weekend. That's awesome. Proud of my church. Come on, give yourselves a big hand. That's good. That's good. I'm very proud of you. Very proud of you. Um, I actually wrestled today uh, with preaching a particular message I was going to preach today because I was so excited about it because normally this is one of the lowest attendance of the year. And uh but I wanted to give you my best and look at God honored that. Isn't that awesome? So uh I just I was like, oh I wanna make sure everybody's there for this, but uh everybody is. Praise the Lord. Anyway, I wanna make a couple of quick announcements uh real fast uh for those of you Uh, who are new to our church. We don't just uh, do things for us. We try to help other people, raise the water level of the Holy Spirit in a community and in an area. And on September 20th, a friend of ours, Pastor Zenzo and Michelle Matoga, are launching a church. We believe in, uh, how many like babies? Anybody like babies? I love babies. I love going to maternity ward. But there's nothing like birthing a church, a baby church, into the kingdom of God. And so, on September 20th in Medford, Massachusetts, Impact Church will be born. They've, uh, What do you call that, a planned delivery that the, uh, there's a word for that? What? C-section? Yeah, okay. Anyway, that's kind of gross. It doesn't work. Never mind. But uh, there's a baby coming, a 920, okay? And so... Um, uh, if you guys are interested, if you don't have a serve, op- if you don't have a serve a responsibility on 9:20, and you're on our dream team, or you're even interested and you're not on a dream team, go to Guest Central downstairs in uh, the common and talk to somebody about that. Say, hey, I'd like to, I'd like to serve uh, this church on that particular day. We love Michelle and Zenzo, and we're behind them. we sowed seed into them. Additionally, uh, next Tuesday, everybody say next Tuesday. All of you are on a Dream Team. There's over 300 of you that are on the Dream Team for Connect Community Church. We are calling all of you in on the, uh, on the Tuesday night at 7 p.m. right here in the main auditorium. We ha- I, have, I have a special announcement that I need to make that I really need all the Dream Team here for and some important stuff to talk about. So if you're on the Dream Team, make sure you're here 7 p.m. in the main auditorium. Can I have an amen? All right, you can get your worship guides out. Uh, you can follow along on Uversion as well if you, if you prefer that, your digital Bibles, your iPads, or whatever. If you just go into Uversion and uh, look at the live event and then also put in the zip code for Ashland or look for our church name, our whole worship guide's inside there, and you can take notes and email yourself and all kinds of cool stuff. It's all in there. Amen? How many were here last week? Can you raise your hand if you were here last week? Good, good, good. So I'm going to build on last week. We talked about the fact that... Uh, life is a race, it's going at a crazy pace. I don't know what it is, but it seems like the older I get the harder it is sometimes to keep up, and uh, sometimes it's hard to process all that's happening and, and all that's going on and, and all that appears to need to be done, if, if you know what I mean. And, and last week, we're going to put an image on the screen, but last week we encouraged everybody to start in this crazy life by giving Jesus the wheel of your life. How many remember the song, Jesus Take the Wheel? Maybe this will help you, you know? No, okay. Okay. Uh, Some of you need to let Jesus take the wheel, okay, of your life. And this is all about surrender. We talked about part of this was last week was talking about it all starts with Jesus taking the wheel of your life. Like you need to, you need to let him be in the driver's seat. But the cool thing is once you let him to the driver's seat of your life is he's going to say, okay, now you drive, I'm going to get over into the passenger seat and I'm going to guide you. I'm going to take you into driver's ed as it were. How many have uh, ever, you got your license when you had to go through driver's ed? Some of you had to do that, right? Some of you didn't, never mind, that's the problem. <laughs> when you get out there, you're the problem. <laughs> and so we need, some of us need that driver's ed, that driving school. We, need, we talked about last week and kind of used this analogy about cars. You know, where we need to learn, like Jesus uh, the, the unforced rhythms of grace. There's an inhale and an exhale to life. There's a breathe in, there's a breathe out, there's a tide that comes in, there's a tide that goes out. God wants to teach us this balanced, counterbalanced, counterbalancing to all the craziness of our life. And some of us, like a car, we know how to you know, put the pedal to the metal, but we don't know how to put the brakes on once in a while. Sometimes we don't know how to throttle down, we don't know how to downshift, Worse, we don't know how to put it in idle once in a while and rest. Everybody say rest. rest. Some of us need to learn how to rest. We learn, we, this is what the series is all about. Last week, I actually encouraged many of you to take a nap. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. How many love Sunday naps? Oh, I don't know. Not during church. Hopefully not before church, but after church. Amen. But some of us have a hard time taking a nap. Some of us, you know, when I talk to people, it's like, I can't sleep in the day. You know what I mean? It's just because my brain, you know, my body, we're just going 100 miles an hour. So I thought we could learn from the animal kingdom how to take a nap. Now, how many know man's best friend is the? All right. And they, how many know they know how to take a nap? So I want you to see how they take a nap. Look at how they take a nap. I mean, that guy's chilling like a villain, isn't he? This, this is what my dog's like. My dog sprawls and spreads out all over the place. It doesn't matter. Stretches out. The limber, they're, just, they're so limber. You know what I mean? But now, here's what's interesting for all the cat owners. Cats are not the same. They're a little different. They're like a little higher end. Like, when for them to relax, they need a little more. I want you to see this cat and see what, what, what maybe this cat needs. <laughs> Enough said, right? Enough said. I mean... Sometimes we all relax in different ways, you know what I'm saying? But we can learn things from the animal kingdom. Now, some of you, when you take a nap, you have a hard time you know, and, and finally you get there. You know, you get into that zone, you get into that REM state, and, and you're, you're, just, you're just, I dream of Jeannie, you're someplace else, and, and, and you know when you get woken up from a nap suddenly? Has anybody ever been woken up from a nap suddenly, and it's like the worst experience ever? It's like you were in another world, you don't know where you are in human history, you wake up totally shocked, and you look like this guy, you know what I mean? You It's like tales from the crypt, you know? And you ever see these people? They're crazy. But then there's another group of people that no matter what, they can't nap. And I found something that will help you. Like no matter what kind of a bed you put your head, no matter what position you put your head, you sometimes have a trouble just resting and relaxing. No matter how you put that pillow and tuck it, and I'm that kind of a person, you need one of these 360 pillows. I want you to see this. Everybody needs one of these. Laughter that's a crazy pillow. That's all I'm saying. So In a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about a story where Jesus took a nap. And trust me, this will be spiritual for some of you coming for the first time. You're like, what on earth is this all about? This is crazy. It'll make sense. But I want you to put your finger in two portions of Scripture, okay? Luke chapter 8, if you got your Bibles, and Luke chapter 10. That's what we're going to be looking at. If you get into your devotions this week, this would be two portions of Scriptures during the week to unpack as we just kind of unravel a few things really quickly. Today's message is called The Gift of Rest. The gift... Of rest. rest is a gift. Jesus gave us many gifts. We talked about some of the gifts that he gave us. But to receive a gift, how many know to receive a gift, you have to have a posture of receiving? Right? A posture of receiving. A, a gift is worth nothing. It's valueless unless it's opened. But in order to open it, you have to position yourself or posture yourself to receive a gift. I just want you to know, I am good at receiving gifts. If you doubt that, you may test me. You may test me. I'm good at receiving gifts. I'm pretty awesome at it. But this posture that God instructs us to have, he says, and in fact, uh, Dan was just reciting this text just a little while ago from Matthew 11. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, all you who are a burden, all you, in, the, in the message it says, Are you tired? Are you burned out? Yes. He says, come to me. It's a personal thing. He says, I've got something for you. I've got the gift of rest. The gift of rest. Rest isn't found with a 360 pillow. Rest isn't found like a cat with cucumbers on your eyes. Rest is found in Jesus. Can I have an amen? And so we need to learn how to find rest. And what we learned last week is this story from Luke chapter 5 where, like us, we have these crazy nuts world that we live in. Jesus was in that crazy nuts world. He came right into that world, and in the middle of all that, people are drawing on him, people are pulling on him, they're tugging, they want virtue, they want healing from their sicknesses and diseases, they want answers to their problems, and they need solutions, they want him to teach him, they want him to lead him. In the middle of that, the Bible says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. He pulled out. Right in the middle of all the crazy. He injected a little lazy into his crazy. That's good. I don't care what you say. That's tweetable. Nobody's moving. Good. That's good. So he withdrew from that. He got away. And so I want to give you a a principle that we talked about last week. And we're going to springboard off of this key thought. Write this down. Here's our big idea. Again, if we allow God to be present in our rest, then God will be present in our work. If we allow God to be present in our rest, he will be present in our work. And I explained this in great detail last week that to have the power of God in your life, how many need the intervention of God sometimes in your circumstances, in your situation, into this crazy nuts world that we have? Sometimes for that to happen, we have to invite him into our rest. And in our rest, he comes in and then he blesses the work that we do, the work of our hands. And so here's the thing. If we follow this rhythm that Jesus lived... This pull away in the middle of the crazy, inject a little lazy into your crazy. If we follow this counterintuitive, countercultural method of not working faster and harder and doing more, and I have to get more done, I have to get more, I put more time in, I have to have more caffeine to keep going longer on less. No, if we follow him and then we pull away and we rest and we replenish and we reboot, if we do that, something cataclysmic is going to happen. Something incredible is going to happen. Listen, it's not what you think. A battle ensues. A battle ensues. There's a battle. As soon as you do it the Jesus way, the Jesus rhythm, something happens. And if that's true, there's three things you have to know. Number one, write this down. Your rest will be opposed. Your rest will be opposed. If rest is a gift from God, and if we truly receive something from it that is divinely beneficial to our lives at every level, spirit, mind, and body, then you will face resistance. You will face resistance. Listen, the greatest enemy, uh, of the, 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 the enemy's greatest enemy, excuse me, is that you'll be, uh, that God will be present in your life. That's the greatest Fear that the enemy has is that God will be present in your life and help you. He knows that if He can pull you away from communion and daily fellowship with the Holy Spirit, He knows that if He can pull you away from community with the saints in small groups and in church, He knows you're an easy target. But he knows also that if you will pull away and replenish and refresh and rest, that you'll come back into a situation and you'll be able to overcome the schemes and the plots and the ploys of the enemy. You are a danger to him. Let me show you something about this point of opposition that most people who have read this story have never seen, including myself. Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. Are you getting something out of this so far? It says this. It says, one day Jesus is talking to his peeps. That's my way of saying Disciples. It says, let us cross to the other side of the lake. And so they got into a boat and they started out. And as they sailed across, Jesus settled down to take a nap. There it is. How many believe naps are good? Okay? It's a good thing. Especially when you're near water. I don't know what it is. If you ever had a nap near water? Salt water in particular. I don't know what it is. It's just like... It's different. The air's different. So just imagine Jesus. He's taking a nap. You know, uh, maybe the water's just kind of going up on the shoreline, or you can hear it hitting against the little, a little boat. You know, whoo! That's just good. You know what I mean? That's good sound. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful, this is a beautiful picture in the Bible of Jesus following his own advice to you and to me. But look what happens right after he dozes off. It says, But soon, everybody say soon, or you could say right after that, a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filled with water, and they were in real danger. And the disciples went, and they woke Jesus up. They're like, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Now, 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 think about this. They should have felt secure. It doesn't say that Jesus came into the world to drown to save it. No, he came into the world to die for the sins of the world to save it. He didn't come to drown to save it. So they should have felt secure, but they didn't. It says, when Jesus woke up, and I don't know about you, but I hate to be woken up from a nap. All right, I'm not very happy usually after that, and 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 you know those naps where you just like you're out, man, you're out cold. You know the ones where you're it's a little wet on the pillow. You know what I mean? You got stuff, you know, right there. You know, it's like you know golf is playing on TV, like that kind of nap, like you're out. Something about golf just makes you just go out, doesn't it? You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is. It's like, I am gone, baby, gone. You know, and then you wake up. There's this movie. I can't remember what it was, but I, I just remember the actress, Queen Latifah, and, uh, and, and Steve Martin wakes her up, and she comes up out of a nap. She goes, Psh! she just smacks somebody, right? And she goes, Queen Latifah on somebody. You're not, you're not happy when you wake up from a nap. And so Jesus I don't think he's very happy. He wakes up a little aggravated and he rebukes the wind and the raging waves and suddenly the storm stopped and they were calm. Now, almost every time you are resting, almost every time that you're on a let's just say a purposeful, intentional mission from God, you're zoned in on what he wants you to do in your life, you're you're embracing the rhythms of rest. The inhale and the exhale, you're involved in his mission. Every time that happens, you will face opposition. You will face resistance every time. But God wants you to learn how to work hard and rest well. Repeat. Work hard and rest well. Repeat. That's what he wants us to do over and over again. Then Jesus goes on in verse 25. Look what he says. He says, where is your faith? What? And the disciples were like terrified. They're amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other when he gives the command, even the winds obey him. They're like, this is crazy. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read the story hundreds, perhaps a thousand times. And I've never seen something inside this. I always thought that one of the biggest reasons that the enemy struck the boat that day was something else. But the enemy struck the boat that day to mess with Jesus' rest. He was trying to mess with Jesus' rest, and we just kind of blow that off quickly. We think, he was, we think it was something else, but he was trying to get his body back online. He was trying to get refreshed and rebooted and refueled to be able to accomplish his mission. And what some people don't realize is, yeah, he's God, but he's God in the flesh. John 1 tells us that. He's God incarnate. He was God, but he was man He he had a physical body that had limitations to it. He chose to limit his power in a limited physical body. Does that make sense to everybody out there? And so he had to rest. And this is not the only time this happened. In Matthew chapter 14, if you want an extra reference, John chapter 6, good scriptures to look up. These are two accounts where Jesus feeds the 5,000. He feeds 5,000 people, all right? A miracle, absolutely. But let me tell you something. That's not the biggest miracle. The biggest miracle is in that particular; those two portions of scripture is he gets five thousand people to break into groups of fifty. That's the biggest miracle. Have you ever worked with people? Just to try, as a pastor, just to try to get people to raise their hand. You know, it, could you just slide in? We need a little bit more room. Oh man, I'm not gonna move. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Jesus got 5,000 people to get into groups of 50 people. And, And trying to get people to do what you ask them to do, it's very hard work, and so he's tired. And while this is happening, the Bible says that the people, and you can read this in both accounts, they're basically saying this. They're like, we want to make him king by force. We want to call an election and make Jesus the king because he feeds us in every way. He makes bread for every single person that's here. He can organize us. That's a miracle. He's clearly called to be the king. They want to make him king. But Jesus says, I wasn't called to be elected your king. I was called and elected to be your savior. It was totally different. But while this is all going on, guess what happens? Jesus tells his disciples, Hey, I'm out of here. I'm going to the mountainside. You guys go out in the lake, and you guys pull away for a little while. I'm going over there to the mountainside. He goes over to the mountainside, and while he be, just while he begins to rest, a squall, a storm comes. How many know squalls stink? Anybody faced a squall in their life, a storm in your life before? Well, it usually comes when you're doing what God told you to do in both ways, doing his mission and also resting and replenishing your body. Nearly every time Jesus was trying to find spiritual, emotional, or physical rest, there was a demonic attack, there was resistance, there was opposition to him slowing down and taking a break. And that's true for us. Anytime you make a decision to work hard and do something for God, there will always be opposition. Rest will be opposed. You can write this in your notes, but when things speed up, you must be intentional in slowing down. Everybody getting something out of this? Number two, rest must be on purpose. Everybody say on purpose. If you're going to experience uh, the benefits of rest, you must understand that it's not by accident. This is a fill in the blank. You don't stumble into rest. You plan for it. You don't stumble into it. It's not accidental. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, a really strong scripture that refers to this crazy nuts race we call life. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets the prize, so you better run to win. So as an A-type personality, I'm like, yeah, let's go. But sometimes we don't consider the other side, the counterbalancing sides of rest. All the athletes are disciplined in their training. Can I tell you, athletes rest... Athletes know how to replenish their bodies, their soul, their mind. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we, as Christ followers, are supposed to be doing something that obtains an eternal prize. So this is the key word. Underline or circle this. So I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose in every step. So I'm not shadowboxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear I might be disqualified. So how do I run with purpose in every step, to succeed in this rat race called life, to make sure that I'm faithful, to make sure that, uh, you know, that I finish the race, to make sure that I'm fruitful? The answer is you have to learn how to say no to some things. Can I have an amen out there? We have to learn to say no. Here's three things to say no to. Write these down. You'll be talking about these all week, maybe a whole month, all right? Here's some things to say no to. Number one, this is bonus, I think, I don't know. It's distractions, distractions. Distractions. You have to say no to distraction. Now, when what you need for that to happen is you need to have direction. When direction becomes clearer, then distractions become clearer too, and it's easier to say no to things. When When direction becomes clearer, distractions become clearer too, and then it's easier to say no things. Now, here's what you need. You need to know what your direction for your life is, what the purpose of your life is. Some of you might be here and say, I still don't know the purpose for my life. That's why you're here actually in this church. That's why we encourage you to get plugged in, to get connected to something like connect, because we want to help people by getting them connected to God, godly people in a godly place, which is the vision of our church. That's what we're here for. We'll teach and train and explain and guide you on this journey of life, because once you get direction for your life, you can say no to distractions. There's a little book in Guest Central if you want it. It's called Why Am I Here? It's just a little book. It just kind of helps you. It's just a starter kit for finding that purpose and that direction for your life. The Bible is very, very clear and helps you figure out what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is for your life. Romans 12 2. Amen. Another way we know how to say no to distraction is through not just direction but through discernment. Everybody say discernment. So no, discernment is the antidote to distraction. Discernment. And so sometimes you have to know there's a whole bunch of stuff to this that I can't talk about all this morning, but basically some people's words have weight and they can steer you and take you in different directions. And so you need to have godly relationships. So you need to know how to rightly divide the word of truth so that you can apply it to your life and not just take a little bit here and a little bit there and subjective this and subjective that. You need to, be able to have an objective interpretation of the scripture as it applies to your life. You need to have a personal relationship with God so that the Holy Spirit in you can show you, this is the way you should go, that's not the way you should go, this is where we find discernment, and discernment keeps us from distraction, amen, I know that discernment has kept, uh, gives me wisdom on what to do in leading this church, for example, one of the things that I'm concerned about, one of the things that we pour into, and we will even more, is that the enemy is doing everything he can to try to thwart what God wants to do through the next generation, through, and, and the enemy wants to do it through distractions, This is is somewhat, this is like one of those moments where it's like semi-prophetic what I'm saying to you. We have to get behind the next generation and do everything we can to eliminate the distractions and help them discern what God's will is for their life because God wants to work not through the previous generation. We coach, but the work is gonna be done through the next generation. We need to be pouring into our children and our children's children in order for the plan of God to be fulfilled. But what God wants to do is keep them totally distracted so that when they're 30 and they're 40, years old, they've wasted two decades where they weren't learning and developing what God wanted to do in their life. And a lot of it's because we're not behind them and a lot of it's because they've been distracted. We have to learn to say no to certain things. Another thing that builds strong churches and communities is families. Everybody say family. As a family, my family knows what its purpose is. My wife and I have talked about this years ago. If you don't know your primary purpose as a family, then you'll try to do uh, try to accomplish everything and accomplish nothing in the end. And that's why we've decided as a family years ago, we're not going to teach our kids three languages, and we're not going to teach our kids four instruments, and we're not going to play five sports every single year for every single kid. And so sometimes, in order to have the best things, we had to say no to a lot of things. This is heavy. Can anybody take this out there? And so, this is worth the price of admission, but basically, there are some super moms out there, and you desire to have super kids, and, and you think that they have to be involved in everything in order to be super kids, but I got good news for you. You don't have to be a super mom to, to have super kids. Super kids come by sometimes super moms saying no to some stuff once in a while, Okay. And so say no to distractions, and you won't know what those are without direction and discernment. Here's another thing you have to say no to. Write this down, FOMO, F-O-M-O, FOMO. This this is an actual clinical disorder, and it's called the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. It's a real disorder. You see it, and you do it every day. This This is crazy. This is why we text while we drive. This is why we hear a ding. We gotta go see it right away because we're afraid. We're missing out. Something exciting is happening over there and we're missing what God wants to do right here. What he wants to say to us in the moment. And people with this disorder are so convinced that everybody is having an awesome life and I'm not. And so we're trying to keep up for fear we will be left behind. Mm, It's quiet in here. Inside all of us actually is this fear of being made or becoming irrelevant and it's driving this FOMO. It's driving this FOMO. Everybody's life is awesome and mine's not. And so I have to be awesome too. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're awesome. Turn to your second choice. I promise you're awesome too. Okay. And that's why we're We're frantically promoting ourselves and pushing ourselves and trying to keep up with everybody because we're afraid of falling behind, and if I fall behind, then I'm missing out, and if I'm missing out, then something awesome is going on, and I'm not a part of it. I had a 21-year-old ask me for some time a while back. Young man needed some advice. I love this young man. I said, sure, I'd love to meet with you, and we'll get together. I said, but in order for that to happen, we're going to have to do it early in the morning. He didn't like that. So I said, why, "Why don't we Why don't we go to the gym, and then after that, we'll we'll have breakfast." And so that's what happened. And we we get to the breakfast table, and as soon as we get to the breakfast table, I'm thinking, "I've got an hour, I got an hour." It's what My head's thinking, "I got an hour. I got you know, I got I got important things to do." Okay, so let's let's go. What's up? And as I'm as I'm kind of trying to f- pull him out he, under the table, he's texting. He's got, I don't know, his Facebook in, Instagram, whatever he's got going on. And I'm just starting to fire up inside, just so you know. And so finally I go, hey, 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 are you, are you dying of cancer? He says, what? What are you talking about? No, I'm not dying of cancer. I said, well, unless you are texting your, do- your doctor, you better focus in on me. What's the matter with you? I'm right here. We've wasted 30 minutes. I've got 60. It's time to get going. He goes, I don't know. know. I'm so sorry. I can't help it. I said, dude, lean in. Lean in. Put the thing up, you know. But FOMO was kind of just taking him over. Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? We often miss what's right in front of us, the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest or whatever it is. I have four kids. We can go on a drive and, and sometimes we can be out in, in, in a beautiful area and we're looking through the windshield of the car and looking at the beautiful scenery through the big window and they're all looking at the little scenery on the little window, right? We can all do that and I can do that too. Here's another thing we have to say no to. You have to say no to fear and guilt. Everybody say fear and guilt. This is why many of us are running and racing and stressed out because we've said yes to too many things. We're allowing approval or rejection of another person to control our decisions. This was my issue. This is an issue I have to keep under my heel, honestly, to be completely honest with you. I've I've couched it in a Jesus complex. I want to be Jesus to people because I don't want them to think Jesus isn't always there for them, that he'll never leave them nor forsake them, so neither will I. In the process, I fail them because I can't keep up with what I promised. I can't deliver. And you can over-promise and underdeliver in the process. You can't say yes to everything. You have to turn down some things sometimes. And Jesus did that too, but he did the most important things. Jesus didn't minister to everybody. He didn't heal everybody. He didn't talk to everybody. He didn't go to every engagement or every opportunity. He went to the most important things. And if you think about it, how many times are you going to something and you're saying, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And there's this check in your spirit. There's this check in your head. And everything's telling you why. You, and then you go to it and you come back and you say, why did I do that? Why did I do that? You know why you did it? You're afraid. You're afraid. You're afraid because of guilt and because of rejection. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, that the fear of man worketh a snare, but whoso trusteth in the Lord will be kept safe. When you get free from the fear of man, let me tell you something, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It is so good to be free, to be able to say no once in a while. Listen, I stay home on Saturday nights. You know, I get lots of engagements, lots of opportunities to do this or do that. Go to the chicken night fundraisers or whatever. But I say no. You know why? Because of my purpose. Direction keeps me from distraction. My purpose is to give you fresh bread on Sunday morning. My purpose protects me from distractions. And your purpose will protect you from distractions and give you discernment as well. Amen? Amen. You have to say no to some things sometimes. We can't say yes to every single thing. And a lot of times I have to have this little self-talk. Thing that I do with myself, and I just say, Derek, sometimes you have to say no to people so you can say yes to God. Derek, sometimes you have to say no to people so you can say yes to God. Is that good? Here's my last point. By the way, this isn't a legalistic thing, this is a freeing thing. This just gives you focus and it gives you flexibility in your schedule, not legalism in your schedule. All right? Here's the last point. So rest will be opposed, rest is on purpose, and number three, rest will be rewarding. Rewarding. Rest is rewarding. I had a young man say to me, Pastor, how can we rest? Aren't, don't you think? Aren't we in the last days? We need to make the most of every opportunity. And he's coming to me with his Greek, and he's coming to me with his scriptures. And I was like, Bro, here's the Heisman. Hold up. I, I understand eschatological events. He's like, What? I said, Oh brother. <laughs> the study of the end times. Uh, and, you know, he's, I said, listen, I understand that. Every generation since Jesus left has thought they were in the last days. But that does not stop what God said from the beginning that is for all generations that we have to learn to rest, that there is a rhythm. You can't fulfill the mission of God on your life if you don't learn to rest. And so I gave him a principle. I said, come here, come here, we're gonna talk. And Let me share a story with you in a second. You can write this principle down, and that is this. Our margins, time, money, resources our margins create space for our mission our margins create space for our mission how many of you and just think about this how many of you want to do something great for god something bold something audacious you believe god's called you to do something anybody out there feel like that besides me Okay? You want to do something great for God. Now listen, the number one reason sincere Christ followers who believe they have a mission from God do not fulfill that mission is because, the number one reason is because they're too busy. They're too busy. They're too busy. The number one excuse I hear and I give is too busy. I have a friend, Anthony Miles, he says, we need to stop making excuses and start making improvements. But that's the excuse that we give over and over again. Now, Luke chapter 10, verse 33 and following talks about a story of the Good Samaritan. Now, I will not exegete this scripture thoroughly this morning. I will do a quick one on that, but let me just say this. This is a famous story of the Good Samaritan. A guy in this story was was robbed, he was beaten, and he was hurled, you know, thrown in a ditch. And and basically, uh, a pastor comes up and, and walks by this guy sees this guy, and walks by. And then another person kind of, we'll just say, a dream team worker comes by, sees this guy, and also walks by. But then just this regular Joe, in fact, nobody would have even noticed him. Some people might even think he's not even a member of a church, shows up, this good Samaritan, walks by, sees him, takes pity on him, and does something about it. He does something about it. Now, look at... Luke ten thirty three. it says this, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, everybody say, saw the man, he felt deep pity. And kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine, and he bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day, he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver, by the way, representing a lot of money, and he told him to take care of the man. If his bill runs higher than that, he said, I'll pay the difference the next time I'm here. Now, that man was a true neighbor to his brother. Can I have an amen out there? And there are three important things you can take away from this particular story that that we need to see the need. We need to see what's going on around us. He saw the man. We need to take pity, we need to have a compassion for somebody else. Now, a lot of us in this room, we get to that place. Like, we see needs. Some of us are even stirred in our hearts. We have compassion. We take pity on them. But there are very few who take that next step and do something about it with their time and with their resources. And that's what this man did. And I was going through this story with this young man, and the Lord stopped me in my tracks and was saying, Derek, I have a mission for you. I have a mission for Connect Community Church. And they need this because they have a gigantic call or mandate on them. But we can't say yes to our mission until we get control of our margins. We all want to do good. We all want to take pity on people. We all uh, need to embrace God's gift of rest so we can fulfill our mission. But how many times are you sitting in traffic, in traffic, and finally at the end of this traffic jam, you, you discover there was just an accident on the side of the road, and everybody watched, and everybody felt pity, but very few did or could do anything about it. That's the story of the Christian church today, the Christian world today. Many are like that. Recently, I was thinking about an experience that I had, and I was asking God to check me. How much margin do I have in my life where I could even touch my neighbor? And I just grieved I just grieved. I thought, look at my margins. There's not enough room to even stop and say, hi to that guy. And I remember back, he said, remember when you did this and you had time? Remember when you were, the rhythm was right, Derek? And I remember coming off Route 9, I took a left on Temple Street, and and, and I was taking this right. And I remember looking up into this street across from Stop and Shop, and I saw this, this little old lady pushing up her groceries. And I remember the first thought I had was how cute. The second thought I had was, oh, gosh. This woman, if she gets to the top of that hill, if she makes it, is going to get crushed by her own groceries. This thing's just going to trample her. And so, needless to say, I saw it. I had pity, but I got to the next stoplight. When I got to the stoplight, something stopped and something started inside of me at the same point. And I turned around and I said, i got to do something about it. And I turned back around and I went up the hill. And I went past her so I didn't freak her out when I walked up to her. And I parked my car and I went over to her and I said, excuse me, excuse me, ma'am. Can I help? I'm so, I'm kind of nervous. You're going you're gonna to get hurt. Can I help you push your, 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 your groceries, your carriage up the hill? Oh, she grabbed my hand. Oh, that's so nice. You're such a good little, such a nice boy. Such a nice boy. Such a nice, she grabbed my, and she grabbed my arms. said, ooh, such big, strong arms. Ooh. I was like, whew, yeah, thank you very much. You know? And I had the most amazing experience as I pushed these groceries for this little old lady. Like, I remember pushing the groceries, and I'm like, are you coming? Come on, lady, let's go. You know what I mean? She was slow. She was slow. We get to the top of that hill. I found out, you know, she was widowed. I found out, you know, she didn't have a lot and helped her get her groceries in her house. It was an incredible experience. I remember walking away just feeling so good, and I know she felt so good. And I thought to myself, what would happen if we had margin in our life to do ministry? To fulfill the mission of God in our lives. Here's the final thought. God wants to give you the gift of rest so we can be a gift to others. See, this isn't about, don't misinterpret this. This is about taking naps and doing nothing. This is about getting rest so you can fulfill God's mission for your life. Can I have an amen out there? Would you just kind of put your Bibles away and put your notes away and then I'd like you to stand to your feet if you wouldn't mind. The prayer team can come down as well. Just look at me for a second, everybody. Listen, we got to figure this thing out. This is more meaningful than the time that we could allot for it. To fulfill your mission for your life that God wants to do through you. That's where true fulfillment comes from. It's not doing what you want to do, it's what, doing what God wants to do. When you make his agenda your agenda, he'll take care of your needs and your situation. Matthew 6, But in order to do that, we've got to learn the rhythms of rest. We need to receive this gift of rest. And I'd like you to close your eyes and I want to pray for those of you who need real rest in your life. If you know That you're in a place right now, maybe you're restless, maybe you're running, like just one thing to the next. You have a hard time paying attention for just 30 minutes in a message. There's just such a race. You might need prayer today. I want to encourage you to come down front and receive prayer, but I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do what my words cannot do, and that you would just settle everybody in this room in Jesus' name. That when they come to church, they find rest for their souls. Because they came to Jesus. They came to Jesus. They receive right now the gift of rest. You just just make yourself a recipient. Posture yourself right now in your spirit, right now where you are by faith, and receive rest. Rest. Rest as you come to God. Rest as you listen to his word. Rest as you worship. Rest for the people of God in Jesus' name. To have things really right in your heart, to have things really right in your life, you need to be first in right standing with God, rightly related to God. He wants to take the race and put you on a a different path. Maybe your path is, and your race is going in the wrong direction and God wants to put it in the right direction. If you're here today and you're not sure that your life is going in the right direction, you're not sure that you're pointed to uh, relationships that are going to be eternal and last and outlast you. When you leave this life and you go to the next, you don't have that certainty. That you're going to end up at the right place. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. But you want to know where you're going when you draw your last breath today. And you're not certain that you know Jesus Christ. You're not certain that you could come to him and he'd know your name. He'd know you because you surrendered your life to him. You let Jesus take the wheel of your life. If you've never let Jesus take the wheel, I'm talking never. I'm not talking about you did it last week, another time. I'm talking you never let Jesus take the wheel of your life and you know that today is the day of salvation for you, would you raise your hand right now, good and bold, and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't want to leave without knowing that today. I want to be certain. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Be bold. The enemy is bold and wanting to take you and divert you and distract you and keep you from that path. I want you to pray this prayer with me, church, and those of you that are listening online, you pray this prayer with me too. Say, Jesus, I thank you that in you, I can find rest for my soul. Thank you for the promise And the gift of rest, I receive. I receive receive salvation for my life too. I thank you that you can put me on a path. A path of life. A path of salvation. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior, but also as my Lord. Now guide me and direct me on the way I should go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. If you're happy to receive the word, why don't you show God your praise in Jesus' name.